0: Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 1, Psalm 1, can we read this together, Psalm 1, let's read this all together, if we can. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. Good evening and God bless you for being here. What a privilege it is to come to church, isn't it? There's a lot of people that wish they could go to church. And that we have the word of God. Most of us have Bibles. There are some places they don't have Bibles. My brother-in-law and my sister are in Iraq right now trying to translate the Bible for a little group of people in Iraq. They're going to spend several years trying to figure out how to, how to translate the Bible into that little. And there's people all over the world that would like to have Bibles. And we've got them. We've got more than one probably at home. I don't know if we treasure it enough. The ability to have and read the Word of God. What a privilege. The the privilege to go to church. And and, and we don't have to be afraid that someone's going to come busting in here. I saw some police sitting out there, right out there just a while ago. I don't know if they were waiting until we come, and so they come. I doubt it. We don't have to worry about that, do we? What a privilege. At least not now. I hope never. Well, I wonder do you like who you are? Maybe. Are you happy with where you're going? Do you even know where you're going? What is it you're living for? Or are you just existing? Why are you here? What are you striving for in life? What is it that you really want out of life? What do you really want out of life? Are you excited about life and what's ahead? Or is that kind of depressing? What is it that you want to become? And what are you doing to get there? Are you eliminating the things in your life that will keep you from reaching where you want to go? I guess what I'm trying to say is, do you have a specific goal? If you do, what steps are you taking to get there? Now, I suppose if I would ask you uh, how you feel about your life, is there anything, are you pretty much where you want to be? Or is there something that you'd like to change? Is there any of you here that would like to change anything? Oh, you would? So y'all are not perfect. So why don't you? Why don't you change it? You know, all of us want fulfillment in life. Isn't that true? All of us want to be fulfilled. We want to become better at what we're doing or better at something that we've not started. Or do something that we haven't started, ever tried yet. I'd like to say, what's hindering you? Now let me put this in context just a little bit. The things that you want to do and want to be need to be under in the boundaries of God's will and of your parents' insightful eye if you're still under your parents. And they need to be under the umbrella of marriage and family and the brotherhood's wise counsel. We're not not our own. We can't just do anything we want, but many things that we want to do and become fall under these umbrellas, but we don't do them, we don't become them, because of who? Because of who? Ourselves. Ourselves. We get in the way of ourselves some, a lot of times a lot of things that we experience or don't experience that we'd like to do or accomplish are because of the bad habits that we've formed. And we're stuck in habitual behavior that we can't get out of. Now, are habits bad? They're bad if they're bad, right? <laughs> but they're really good if they're good. Habits are a good thing. A lot of you, maybe most of you, have had a lot of success in life because of habitual behavior. You do something over and over and over again, and that, that, that produces a lot of success. When you do something again and again and again, you can repeat the process, and it's successful, that, that makes you a lot of money, doesn't it? So, habitual behavior. Is not a bad thing when it's good. But habitual behavior is a terrible thing when it's bad. I would like to share with you 10 ways that will help affect change in our lives. We all want to change something, right? I'd like to share with you 10 ways, 10 10 things that help affect change. Now, I know that's too many. 10 things is too many. But if you can just take one, if you can grab a hold of one, maybe there's one thing that you could take into your life and it would help affect change. So, number one is look at the choices that you've made and adjust the choices for the future. Now, how often do you sit down and analyze? The choices that you've made. What happened when I decided to do this? I did this and this happened. Was it good or was it bad? Or was it bad? If it was bad, we have to change the choice. In order to change, you'll have to make a different choice. You cannot make the same choice decisions, or the same choices, and expect different results. It won't happen. If if your result is coming out bad, if you're making a decision that's ending up bad, you're going to have to change the choice. Generally speaking, you are what you are and where you are because of the choices that you've made. You are what you are and where you are because of the choices you've made. Now, granted, you cannot choose all things in life. Now, I'm going to make a statement here that I really would like your feedback on. I, I think this is true. You're going to have to tell me. So you can't choose all the choices that you have in life. But the choices that are not your, in your control, you did not get to choose, are the best choices For your life. Now think that through a while. You don't have to tell me right now. After church you can tell me. That's right. I think that's true. The choices that you don't make. That you don't get to choose. Are the best choices for your life. Because they are divinely chosen. You didn't get to choose where you were born. To who you were born. God chose that. And that was the best choice for you wherever that was. Obviously, God knew you could handle where you were born, who you were born to, other decisions that you could not make. And I believe when we get this settled in our mind, and we really believe this, it'll give you a different perspective in life. And you can begin to celebrate life as God gives it to you. Then, the decisions or the choices that you've made that have primarily determined where you are or who you've become, if you don't like them, God has graciously given you the opportunity to make different choices. If you want to go a different direction, God has given you the ability to choose differently. That's quite a thing that God has entrusted us with choice. We can basically do whatever we want. Now, you can't do whatever you want and, and just live your life. No, you can't. The law is going to stop you eventually. But really, we are people of choice. We can do whatever we want. God has given us that responsibility. Analyze the choice you made. Are they producing the person that you want to become? And if not, God has given you the opportunity to make some different choices. Number two, you have to be honest and accept honesty. If you want change, if you want a change to happen in your life, then you have to be honest. Do you like when people are honest with you? We sure like to be honest with other people, don't we? <laughs> we like to be honest. But man, when they're honest with us, that's a, that's a little hard on us. But we have got to accept honesty. To be honest and accept honesty. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, 17, Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friends. Our friends, the people that we hang out with, associate with, spend time with, should make us better people. They should make us more... uh, They should sharpen our lives. Make us more loving, more respectful more passionate about forgetting our own desires and wants and look at the good of others. If they don't, maybe it's time we look for some other friends. Maybe it's time we look for some other friends. I believe it's time to make choice about our friends and find some friends that will be honest with us. will make a difference in our lives for the better. Listen to these words from Scripture. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 say, Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Honesty, I believe, is the backbone of success. Something built on dishonesty and just not quite honest will begin to deteriorate, and eventually it'll crumble. If you want change, something change for the better, you have got to be honest and face the truth head on. Turn to your Bibles to Mark Chapter Ten Mark Ten. I'd like to read verse seventeen through twenty two. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed for my youth. Then Jesus beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. The Bible says that Jesus loved this young man. I'm sure it was hard for Jesus to say, what he did to this young, this young man. Here was a young man that had everything going for him. In fact, he may have been better off than some of, his, some of the disciples. I don't know. He said he kept all these things from his youth. And Jesus said, one thing. Just one thing you lack. Sell everything and come follow me. And this young man made a choice walk away. Jesus was very honest with him. I bet it was pretty hard for Jesus to be that honest with him. But he, he went right to, the, right to the spot in his life that needed help. And he said, one thing you lack. And he walked away. You know, Jesus could have went, hey, hey, you know, uh-uh, hey, uh-uh, if you just, just start at least, just start. But he didn't. He let him go. He said, one thing you lack. He said, one thing you had to change. And he could have had joy and peace and contentment and satisfaction and fulfillment like he had never had before. That's what Jesus was offering him. A change that would have opened doors to him that he could only, that he could only imagine. But he chose to walk away sorrowful, the Bible says. If you want change in your life, then you have to be honest. Accept honesty and let it change the way you live. Number three, if you want change, Remember this, you're not perfect, you never will be. Now let me tell you real quickly, you can be perfect, but you'll never be perfect. The blood of Jesus can make you perfect, but in this life in your flesh, you're not going to be a perfect man. Make no mistakes. You will. There will be mistakes. You can live in a perfect state when you were under the blood of Jesus. But you'll never be humanly perfect. You know, some th- sometimes we don't do things because we're afraid we're going to make a mistake. Isn't that right? We're afraid of what, pep- what other people think. What if I, if I do this? They're going to look at me a little bit crooked. You'll never be perfect. Relax. None of us are. We all make mistakes. And sometimes the only way to affect change in our life, in our business, in whatever it is, is to try and make a mistake. And then we know how to fix it. Sometimes the only way to grow is to go ahead and make the mistake. And then we, and then we uh, know how to go. We make mistakes and sometimes look stupid. But the only way to stay stupid is to refuse to try and refuse to change after we have failed. Be yourself. Let others see your failures and, and, and flaws and be willing to make changes that will make you more like Christ. Psalm 37, 23 and 24 said, say, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth his way. Delighteth in his way. The very next verse says, though he fail. He shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him. It assumes that even a man, that the the steps are ordered by the Lord, there's enough humanness in us that we're going to fail. But the only way that we're a failure is if we stay down. The only way we're a failure is if we stay down. David was a man after God's own heart, he had horrific mistakes i believe we're human enough that we sometimes lose sight of the lord we go our own way and he allows us to make our own terrible choices but he can take the choices that you and i make and turn them around and make something beautiful out of it that's our god our god is able to take choices that you and i make that are wrong sometimes and turn them around if we're, if we're willing to be molded and broken and, and shaped by Him. Turn them around and make something good out of them. There's an interesting verse in the book of Psalm. Psalm 25, verse 12. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. Now, there's probably different ways you could look at this. But I believe that one way we could look at this is if you fear God, if your heart is after God, God can take the choices you make, even if they're wrong, and make them a teaching moment for you. Or a learning experience that will help you become more like Him. Don't fail, Don't fear failure. Don't let that stop you from making a decision. God wants you to choose. He does not look favorably on indecision. Indecision is lukewarmness. Remember Elijah on Mount Carmel? He told the people of Israel, Why halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, serve Him. If if Baal be God, serve Him. Get in or get out. Not halfway in between. The Lord hates lukewarmness. Choose. Make a choice so you'll get spit out. You'll never make every choice just right. But if your heart is after God, you want to follow Him, He can make so that even the bad choices can be turned into something good. Number four, if you want change, accept your losses or failures and move on to new successes. You know, sometimes when we fail, that's the only thing that we can see, isn't it? Oh, I'm just a failure. I, I can't do anything right. I can never get it right. I can never Did you ever feel that way? Is that true? Have you never done anything right? Sure you have. That's a lie. And sometimes our failure just can can is so big in front of us we can't see anything else. You know, if you don't fail, you won't learn. And know how to change. Winners are not people that never fail. But they're people that never quit. I wonder how many of you have begun. You've begun something. Maybe it was a, I don't know what, maybe a diet program. Or maybe it was a, some other thing that you've started. And you, the first week you're doing really good. The second week. Uh, not so good in the third week, not good at all in the fourth week. By the fourth or fifth week, you're, you're not doing it anymore. And six months down the road, you look back and you say, oh, how I would look, how I would feel if I would have just kept on. Right? You know why most people are not where they want to be? Where they haven't achieved their goals? Because they've quit. Because they quit. The biggest difference between successful people and unsuccessful people is unsuccessful people quit. And successful people don't quit. They keep on going. They don't give up. Don't give up. Don't let failure stagnate your life. And cause you to be fruitless. When you take the mistakes and failures in your life. And you change and you learn from them. Those failures actually become something good in your life. Get up and try again. Little by little you'll be changed into the image of God's dear son. You might not be able to see it but others will. Proverbs 24.16 says. For a just man falleth seven times and rises up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Number six. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6. I think this is a very, very important one for change in our lives. Matthew 6. Verse 9 through 15, I would like to read. Matthew 6, verse 9 After this manner, therefore, pray you, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom. And the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. In order to change, you need to live with forgiveness. Those that have hurt us, we need to forgive. Who of us hasn't been hurt by something or something someone said or some action? We've all been hurt. And unless we live with forgiveness, it'll lock us up. It'll lock us up. It's part of being a fallen world that we're going to get hurt. And sometimes these things cause us to have feelings of anger and bitterness and even revenge. But unless you live with forgiveness, you'll end up paying a high price. Unforgiveness brings anger and bitterness into most every relationship or experience you have. It keeps you from enjoying the moment of the present because you're wrapped up in the past. You can't even think about the present because you're worrying about the past. Unforgiveness brings anxiousness and depression. Unforgiveness, life lacks meaning and purpose. We lose vital friendships and connection with others. On the other hand, when you forgive, you begin to have good relationships. You're brighter. Your mental health improves. There's less stress and anxiety. It lowers blood pressure, less depression symptoms, a stronger immune system. Your heart's health improves. And you have a healthier vision of yourself. The Bible is very clear about forgiveness. In we just read in Matthew nine, in Luke six, verse 35 through 38, it says, "But love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again." And your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet, withal it shall be measured to you again." Now, often we think that's money. Give, and it shall be given to you again. I don't think he was talking about money here. I think he was talking about forgiveness. If you give forgiveness, you'll get forgiveness. It'll come running over into your life. (coughs) Excuse me. I believe he's talking about the love and the caring and the outpouring of gratitude from other people and the ability to see what others are contributing, contributing into your life. You know, when we're locked up in unforgiveness, we can't even see what other people are trying to, to give us. We, 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 it blinds our eyes. Unforgiveness locks us up. We can't see things when we're, blind, we're blinded. And when you lock up in unforgiveness, it's also very difficult to give. You're the one that deserves to be given to, and it blinds the eye to the need of giving. Luke 23, 33 and 34 say, And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. The male is the one on the right hand, the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast light. lots. Jesus didn't come just so that you could experience and receive forgiveness, but He came so that you could give forgiveness also. So that you could give forgiveness. Extend forgiveness. In this thing of forgiveness, in order to receive, you have to give. There's no other way around. If you want to have it, you have to give it. And I believe these things of hate and bitterness and anger and revenge and unforgiveness, they're satanic. And they hinder us from receiving not only from God, but from others. Forgiveness, I believe, is a choice. It's a choice. And sometimes I believe it's a process. You know, sometimes we can't. It's hard to forgive. Just, it's a process sometimes. Or sometimes we have to do it more than one time. Again and again and again. You know, I think even as parents and children, we're not perfect. Parents are not perfect. My parents weren't perfect. They did some things that kind of hurt me sometimes. I had to live with forgiveness, but they also had to live with forgiveness because I did some things that hurt them. Even in a family relationship, there's got to be a giving forgiveness. Children with mom and dad, mom and dad with children. I also believe that unforgiveness, at least sometimes, closes the door to opportunity. You hold on to bitterness and resentment and anger and revenge, it will blind your eyes that you can't see opportunities when they come. Unforgiveness is devastating. I've heard this quote, Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. It's like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. If you want to affect change in your life, you must learn to forgive. Number seven, in order to change, think great thoughts, which are God's thoughts. Now, I've been recently made aware about how and what you think about affects who you are and who you become. What is rolling around in your mind? What do you feed on all day long? You know, the things we feed on, usually we become. What consumes most of your mind's time? What is it that you want? What do you want to become? You're dreaming of something. What is it? I believe there's a reason that the Lord said that we should bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ. There's a reason he said that. If it's good, run it around in your head. If it's a good thought, run it around. If it's a bad thought, check it out. It's going to destroy your life. It'll destroy you. You know something? You're not what you think you are. But you are what you think. Proverbs 23, 8, 23, 6 and 7 says, Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye, neither desire thou his dainty meats. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. Luke 6, 43 through 45 say, For a good tree bringeth forth, bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. But every tree is known by his own fruit. For of the thorns men do not gather figs, nor of brambles, bushes gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. The places we go, the books we read, the thoughts or the things we look at, and the experiences we have, All set our mind in gear. And they produce the person you become. The things that you see, the things that you hear, the places you go, the things you read. They all make you. They're making you, you. Ephesians 4, verse 8, we talked about it last night, that big composting pile. You can run that around in your mind. Run it around in your mind. Mix it together. Those things, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. You can think about those all day long. They will make you a better person. If you want change, you're going to have to think great thoughts. And there are none greater than our gods. Number eight, to change, you need to push out of your comfort zone. You know, some of us don't want anything new in our life. Oh, yes, we'd like to change some things. We'd like to have some things different in our life. But don't ask me to do anything new, anything out of my comfort zone. You know, if you want something that you don't have, you're going to have to do something that you haven't done right or if you if you have if you don't have something now that you want to do want to have you're going to have to change something and do something you're not doing you know sometimes we say oh I wish I could quote scripture like that man. Or I wish I could do this like her. Or I wish I could, I wish I could, I wish. People that are really good at something, how how do they get good at something? It's just natural? Most times it's not. Most times it's not. Most times when people get good at something, they have, they have, disciplined themselves. They have uh, sacrificed and they've worked hard and developed and become whatever it is they, they have become. But we're lazy. A lot of times we're lazy. We don't have the energy, the discipline, and the s- sweat it takes to become whatever it is. But we sure would like to be zapped with it, you know. <laughs> waiting till God zaps us. With it. In order to have something you don't have, you have to do something you're not doing. And most times, that's out of our comfort zone. We live this ho hum life and hope for what we'd like to have. We continually do the same things over and over again and hope for different results. We need to push out of our comfort limits. To become and be what the Lord wants us to be. Paul said, reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark. He had commitment, he had sacrifice, he exercised himself in hearing God. And when he was getting close to the end of his life, he said, I have fought a good fight. He wasn't zapped with it, it was a fight. It didn't come easy. And I believe that many times he was pushed beyond what he even thought he could do. We have Joseph and David and Daniel. All these men, I believe, were pushed through things that they didn't know they could do. And it made them grow into useful serving people. If you want change, you must push yourself out of your comfort zone and do something you're not doing. Number nine, don't fall into the trap of comparing your life with someone else's. Now, here in Rose Hill, you probably don't do that, do you? You don't look around and compare yourself. That's not a problem here. You know, I think if we're honest, we do that a whole lot. We look around and say, How I'm better or how I'm worse than he or she. And we compare our life. We can spend and waste a lot of time trying to figure out how we're better than or worse than someone else. Both of these are not positive. Romans twelve three says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12, it says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number, or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves, and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. You know, the grass always looks greener on the other side. You have no idea what's going on in the life of that person who you're comparing with. We are so good at wearing facades. We can look good. We can make it sound good. But you have no idea. The grass might not be as green as you think it is on that other side. Every one of us has struggles and things that we go through. And we think, oh, if I could just be like this, or if I could just be like that, if I could just make my spouse the perfect spouse. And by the way, you're not one, so don't try to make your, your spouse perfect. If I could just be good at this or that. And when you finally get there, do you think you'd start, stop doing the what ifs? Probably not. There'd be another what if. Oh, if only. Or if only. If only I could be like that. Or only I could be like that. When our security and our approval, our motivation comes from other people, we have to worry about these things. But when it comes from God, we don't have to worry about and compare ourselves with other people. Don't waste your time being jealous of what other people do and have. But seize the moment that you have. Seize the moment that you have and make the best of what you possess and have to bring glory to our great God. If you want change, you must stop comparing yourself with others and focus on comparing your life, your walk, your attitudes with the Word of God. Compare it with this. This is, the, this is the, the thing you can compare it with. And if it comes up short, change to align with this. Number 10, the last one. In order to change, drop the unimportant and cultivate or focus on the important. In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 it says, Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Laying aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. You know, in the old days before gunpowder, the government wanted an army That was well-trained in running and maneuverability and being nimble. Using the sword and spear, shooting bows and using clubs. In the early days, there was hand-to-hand combat. And they had to be physically fit. And you had to be nimble and, and quick. There were no guns to shoot. So the battle was close at hand. So schools were started to teach young men how to run, how to shoot how to use the shield, how to spear and the sword, to train in such a way that their whole physique or their body was in optimum condition. They were muscled in every way. And to give popularity to this system of exercise, they created the Olympian or Isthmanian Ist- games. A lot of these trained runners and fighters were then soldiers in the army when they went to battle. The dress of those runners, well today, the dress of the runners, when they go to the Olympic Games, it's very tight as to not restrict any any motion. They want no restriction. They don't hang their keys on them. They run with their keys flopping around or they have a water bottle hanging on No way. They are as light as possible, as little as possible, and as unrestricted as possible. They are running to win. And they want no opposition. By extreme discipline. They prepare themselves daily. By extreme disciplines. In all their habits. Eating habits. Sleeping habits. Vices of smoking and drinking. They're very careful to be ready, ready to run these races. They want to be the one that's crowned. And they don't want to do anything that would disqualify. Or cause them to lose a race. And when race day comes, they're focused. They're focused on one thing, and that's on running this race. They eliminate all the distractions so as not to impede their their speed. What's important to you? What do you really want? What are the things that you're doing that distract you from what you really want to do and become? Eliminate those things and focus on the things that are important. And that you want to develop and press toward the mark. You know, without aim, it's hard to hit. Or maybe you'll hit it every time without aim. But it's hard to hit anything if you're not aiming. And it's also very difficult to stay motivated about anything. In order to change or to reach the place you really want to go, You have to drop the unnecessary, the distractions, the things that will cause resistance in this race. You're on and focus on the goal. May the Lord give us grace to look at the choices that you've made and adjust your choices for the future. Be honest and accept honesty. Perfection, you'll never attain it in this life. Learn from those imperfections. Accept your failures and let those lessons propel you to your success. Look at the choices you've made. Sorry. Number six was forgive, and you will be forgiven. Think great thoughts. These are God's thoughts. Push yourself out of your comfort zone. Stop comparing yourself with others. God never intended you to be someone else. And drop the unimportant and focus on the necessary. I see, I think I, I forgot. I, I missed one, did I? Number five, I missed. I'll give you that one. I don't think we're going to go back and go through that, but I'll give you that one. Number five was, who you are is not determined by how many mistakes you've made, but who you are is determined by what you've learned from those mistakes. That's really who you are. Who you are is not all the mistakes you've made. But who you really are is what you've learned from those mistakes. I know that was a lot of stuff. But if God could help us to just take one thing and change, little by little. God God really wants us to change into his image, more like him, to become more like him. I'd just like to open it up if there's, maybe there's something someone would like to say or anything.